Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for a free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 5, Episode 32, Urban Fantasy. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm finally back. Yay. <laughs> Except I'm sick. And so, um, actually, I'm not sick. I'm just, you know, my voice is changing. It's finally hitting me. Um, yes. <laughs> um, urban fantasy. We've had a lot of requests about urban fantasy. And I've actually written some urban fantasy now. In fact, uh, between um, last fall and now, I've written three urban fantasies <laughs> because that's how I am. Mm. Um and so um, let's, let's start with the genre definition. Let's talk about what is urban fantasy. What do we even mean by that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, depending on who you ask, urban fantasy can be defined as broadly as a fantasy novel that takes place modern day. It okay. does not necessarily have to be urban in the sense that it takes place in a city. Okay. A lot of people consider the John Cleaver series to be urban fantasy, even though it takes place in a very small town and is uh -huh. basically a horror story. Yeah, um, would you say that urban fantasy, like that term, drew out of people not really wanting to use the horror term anymore? Or was it around before then? I, you know what, I think that the term urban fantasy was when, uh, uh, I mean, werewolves and vampires, that's a little more on the, the horror angle. Right. You see them in urban fantasies, but uh, I remember a series from uh, Mike Resnick, a series of short stories. Mm -hmm. um, in which the things that went bump in the night were, you know, unicorns and fairies. Right. And that felt more like high fantasy mapped onto Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and I really think that's where the term came about, but I'm not a No, I think historian. you might because I, I, I think I do sometimes assume that it was part of that whole horror schism when well, horror split into three I, different I, I think that genres. But it, it was more a case of, this is just speculation, but the horror taking advantage of the term and mm -hmm. saying, oh, hey, now here's something else we can call ourselves so people right. will not avoid our section of the bookstore think, anymore. This part of the discussion for me is kind of circling the drain because somebody in the comments is going to go Google the history of <laughs> yeah. urban fantasy and show us all up. So uh, true. let's talk about how to write so, it. So thanks in advance, person <laughs> yeah, in the comments. Person who comments. But you're the one that told me you wanted to do a more definition-based podcast first time. Did I say oh, that? Burn. Yeah. Did I say that? Yes. I did. That was your suggestion. Uh -huh. I've okay, got it on fine. tape. Oh, good. Jordan's got it on mind. tape. Okay. He proves me right again. Um, so... But no, really, this is interesting to talk about because um, I do think that there was an influx. A lot of times when we talk about urban fantasy now, we talk about the vampire and werewolf fantasy. Mm -hmm. But there is this whole 
idea that, you know, urban fantasy was also kind of the shadow run stuff. Um, I remember yeah. back in the early 90s <laughs> where we had the whole let's mash modern technology or future technology together with fantasy tropes mm -hmm. and see what we get. And that was urban fantasy too. Yeah, I think urban fantasy in a lot of ways is just a desire to write modern stories that are genre fiction without being science fiction. And so well, and what's, to... what's interesting about it though is that both both urban fantasy, both, all three of them, you know, urban fantasy and in you know, a certain sorts of uh, epic fantasy and science fiction, um, you all have, they, they all have to abide by these, uh, you know, rules of internal consistency. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing urban fantasy, um, the shotgun has to work exactly like the shotgun works in science fiction or in military well, fiction. Except, when I say, yeah. ex except you can have magical ammo. Or except, you know, there's always this, a lot of urban fantasy likes to play with the technology doesn't work real well as soon as you cross into the fey borderlands. And that's, and and that's fine. Yeah. You, can, you can do that, yeah. but you have to come out and explicitly say that. Mm -hmm. You can't just sort of hand wave at the shotgun, not if you're going to be using it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Larry Correa's uh, Monster Hunter International yes. is urban fantasy, and it's also military sci-fi. Right. Uh, so the, the question comes to, comes to mind, um, our listeners, if they're going to write urban fantasy, do they really need to know this genre? Do they need to know the different types of it? Um, it seems like people who write urban fantasy, let me preface this, mm -hmm. kind of do it accidentally a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I, I think in some ways... I will never suggest that you don't need to know a genre because you'll end up repeating what people have already mm -hmm. done. But on the other hand, urban fantasy is, if any genre can claim this, urban fantasy can claim this, you can do pretty much anything because it's wide, wide open. Everything from a paranormal romance to Harry Dresden to, you know, the vampires. There's room Even for almost Harry anything Potter, in there. to an yes. extent, is urban fantasy. Yeah, Harry Potter so. is urban, urban um, fantasy. It, well, it kind of is half and half. Half the books are urban fantasy and half of them um, are high fantasy. But it's, it, 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 it really gets into a matter of semantics here. So yeah. let's, uh, let's go ahead and do what Howard wanted us to do. <laughs> just because Howard is, you know. Wait. <laughs> you just said that Poor I wanted the dick. Grumpy Howard. I'm yeah. Not... <laughs> Forcing his Fine. evil will upon Fine. Mm. What so, is it that I wanted us to do? You want us to talk about how to write it. Dan, you are the yes, best please. urban fantasy writer among us. Oh, so, yeah. how do you write urban fantasy? Dang it. <laughs> um, how do I write urban fantasy? Um, let, let me, um, let me define know. that question a little bit better because okay, it's a terribly thanks. unfair question. <laughs> um, do you consciously decide um, when you're writing urban fantasy, do you try to keep the laws of the magic and things a little bit closer to reality? Or, on the other hand, do you try to be way out there to provide a contrast? Or is it somewhere in between? Uh, in the Serial Killer series, the John Cleaver books, I very specifically didn't ever explain what the monsters were or where they come from. Uh -huh. And the third book, which will be out by the time this airs, um, you, you, you don't know. You still don't know. Sorry if okay. you're all waiting for that explanation. And that's because I liked having that mystery. And yeah. so there's, it, it fits within the real world. But I don't ever give a scientific or, or academic explanation of, oh, this is how these creatures came to be. This is where they come from. This is how they work. But wouldn't you say there's a movement in urban fantasy for that scientific explanation 
I've seen a lot of, for instance, vampire fiction, where mm-hmm. the idea is, let's try and make the vampires rational. Let's explain them by science, because we are moving to this borderlands between science fiction and fantasy, and so let's go ahead and use scientific rationale for the fantasy monsters. Yeah, and we're starting to see that a lot. Um, zombies and vampires now, mm-hmm. more often than not, are caused by some kind of virus or right. plague. And yeah. that's a scientific... Or nanomachines. Yeah, yeah. P- people using a scientific explanation for how this can happen, which is cool. I don't think the entire genre is moving in that direction, but mm-hmm. a portion of it is. It's the same thing you see in science fiction between hard SF and space opera. There are different yeah. audiences that want different things. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, let's pause for our book of the week. Um, why don't we go ahead and promo uh, book one of the Dresden Files, since we're talking urban fantasy. Oh, absolutely. I think we may have promoted it before, but it's really a fantastic book, and I, um, I loved it quite a bit. If you want to see really good urban fantasy written well, um, go ahead and read uh, the Dresden Files. Um, go out to uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, where you can kick off a 14-day free trial. Um, and the uh, Dresden Files audiobooks are read by... Uh, Oh, no, I've forgotten his name. Played Spike on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, really? series. Uh, James um, Marsden. James Marsden. And, and Marsters. Marsters. James Marsters. James Marsden's And they, it, they are such fun to listen to. I've listened to, uh, I think, all but the last two of them, and I've loved them. For the ease of our listeners, what's the name of the very first Dresden Files? Stormfront. 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 Yes. Yep. Okay. Excellent book. Fantastic. Um, so, 
All right. Let me tackle. Yeah. Let me let me tackle the where to start question uh, because fundamentally, uh, I believe that genre fiction is built around uh, a sense of escape from reality, um, okay. and and the what if. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to have anchor points, and so when I when I look at urban fantasy, I like to feel grounded in reality, but there are aspects of the reality around us that. Uh, whether it's whether it's you know mythology or um, or urban mythology, uh, things that don't make sense, you know the the traveling hitchhiker, uh, you know ghost story, or the fact that you know all your left socks go missing in the dryer. It's fun yeah. in an urban fantasy to take hold of some of those and start building a mythos that explains them. Now the bit with the socks. I think that's been done in the Dresden Files. I think it's right. been done like in a it's dozen. It's been done everywhere. Well, South Park has done that one. I mean, it's the same idea. Another big trope of this is the idea that, oh, all these stories and legends that we talk about had their root in mm-hmm. this other world Yeah, um, that is part of it. When we were talking about historical fiction, one of the three types we mentioned is, is what we call the secret history. The, this is mm-hmm. the real story behind the historical event. Right. And you see that all the time in urban fantasy. You know, this is the real story about why this monument exists yeah. and, and I actually all the creatures don't think, that live underneath it. I don't like think that. urban fantasy can work well without that unless you're doing an urban fantasy in which a magical meteorite strikes and suddenly the rules change. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the, the role-playing game Rifts mm-hmm. uh, would qualify under you know certain terms as urban fantasy because we had a... Was it a nuclear war that opened yeah, up magical small, portals yeah. or something? Mm-hmm. And um, Right. So you didn't need to explain missing socks. Those are, I would say, the two big divisions in urban fantasy. The kind of Shadowrun type thing where it's everyone knows about all of this magic and the world has changed. Mm -hmm. And more commonly what's referred to as urban fantasy would be the there is a secret underworld. There's a secret side. There's the the muggles and the wizards. The distinct separation between them. And so writing that... Mm And it can be hard. I, right. several years ago in our writing group, started trying to write an urban fantasy, and it was just so <laughs> cliched. I don't know if Brandon remembers this, but it really was, it, it was, it was me trying to do a grown-up Harry Potter, almost. I mean, not mm. on purpose, but that's right. how it came out, because you have to be careful uh, not to just repeat what right. others have already well, what done. What that comes back to is what we talked about in our discussion of trope. There's almost no way to write without tripping over the tropes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your story can't be about the setting, you know, the missing socks or yeah. the secret history. Your story has to be about interesting characters doing interesting things mm-hmm. in interesting ways. Well, right. and, and I think that's, that's the biggest piece of advice I want to give right now is if you want to write an urban fantasy, make sure you have a really good idea behind it. Don't just say urban fantasy and, and like you said don't just write the setting yeah. make sure you have good characters and a good story I've, um, I've now written three urban fantasies one was a failure tur- two turned out real well none of them have been released yet folks but they are coming um, <laughs> Alloy of Law the Mistborn book is a Mistborn urban fantasy coming out um, later this year um, the one that didn't work out the way I wanted to is called Death by Pizza um, which was a pretty standard um, underworld urban fantasy and what I found was, and the reason it kind of failed for me as a book, um, and I still want to write, make this book work, but by about the three-quarter mark, I realized that the urban element didn't matter, that I had dug so deeply into the fantasy element, it was all taking place during this one night, 
Um, and it was all taking place during the, the fantasy parts of mm. the city. And the more I wrote it, the less the fact that it was happening in the city. <laughs> the less important mattered. the city became. Yeah, and it, yeah. it eventually just ended up becoming, you know, a high a fantasy. Straight up epic fantasy. Um, and so I, I, I stopped about the three quarter mark and said, I'm I'm not I'm writing something that's neither one and it's really not working. Um, and I think that what Dan is saying here is right. I mean, I didn't want to fall into the cliches of the genre, but by avoiding them so strongly, I ended up going too far the other direction. And mm -hmm. I really think there needs to be some integral concept tying these two worlds together and have the characters be moving between the two worlds. Otherwise, um, I, think, I think the book's going to end up like Death by Pizza did. Yeah. In your defense, Death by Pizza was the first of the three that you wrote. It was. And you learned your lessons and the last two are, are yes, very Yes, but good. the last two I took the other route. Um, but the last two, magic is a well-known and accepted part of the world. It isn't the other That's world true. magic. Yeah. And so because of that, I, I kind of dodged the issue and said, well, I can integrate these by, making, by integrating them that way. And both of mm -hmm. those turned out really well. Um, they integrated fine. But I didn't do the, the, the underground secret um, world, which and that's really hard to do without falling into all the same cliches. And I think Dresden Files manages it by integrating aspects of the fantasy world very strongly into the, the real world. It's, um, you know, there are mobsters that are crossing the line to, you know, they're getting involved in magical mm -hmm. stuff and they're not quite ready for it. And there are police who are accidentally investigating magical things. And Harry himself is a wizard who's actively and openly a wizard in a world that doesn't believe wizards exist. I think the reason the Dresden Files works uh, in spite of the tropes is that it plays on a different trope, which is the, the film noir detective yeah guy it, it does mm -hmm. it does do that and and that that marriage of of elements is it feels a little bit like genre busting or genre right. blending and is is one of the reasons they succeed the other reason i think it succeeds is that he's telling a very long uh long story arc in an episodic nature which right. really draws readers into well and he's, what's he's, going he's on making some really solid elements you know the the council of the you know the of the wizards or whatnot and all of these mm -hmm. different things. Um, they, they work really well. But I also do think it is that blending. Um, mm -hmm. In his books, you're never allowed to forget either world. You don't yeah. forget the real world. You don't forget the fantasy world. The two are rammed up against each other, and they're in each other's face. Um, and yeah. I think this is a strength of the, of the, of the books that I, I wasn't able to achieve in my first attempt. Yeah, and I think you can see that in other urban fantasies as well, like Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, as the story expands, the scope of the story expands, it necessarily includes the real world. You yeah. know, they have people, wizards whose whole job is to interface with the humans, the, not the humans, but the muggles, and, right. and make sure that they know what's going on and that they're protected from the various magic mm -hmm. things that are happening. Yes, so. and, and as we've said, Harry Potter really only dabbles in urban fantasy and even mm -hmm. it kind of approaches that. Yeah, one uh, thing you know, Harry other... Potter never does is cross back over the other direction. You yeah. never see people with guns show up to take out a troll or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that could happen. She chose not to do it and it worked fine, but... Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, cultural reasons mm -hmm. likely why, you know, she didn't want to write that sort of a book. Um, and which is fine because Larry Correa wrote that sort of a book and it's, <laughs> okay, it's you great know what? fun. Um, I think we do need to do another podcast on urban fantasy where we delve a little bit hard, um, directly into how to write it. So I'm going to go ahead and can of worms us and say let's do another podcast where we force Dan to actually tell us how to write great urban fantasy. Oh, great. Um, oh, I think we've done a good on. job of defining it and uh, talking about some of the pitfalls, but we need more.
So I'm going to go ahead and call um, this episode, and um, I'm going to make a Howard do a writing prompt. Okay. Writing prompt. Um, urban fantasy and the, the source or the, the point of origin for your crossover between the real world and the magical world is any, any retail space that would qualify as a big box store. You figure out why big box stores break the, break the borders, but you know, Walmart, <laughs> Home Depot, that's where it's going down. Um, you're out of excuses. Now, now go, go right. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.